What up, what up, what up? Welcome to another episode of Green with Envy brought to you by Celtics Blog. You might be thinking, wait a minute, that's not as merry and as jovial as I'm used to. Well, you would be right. Our guy, Will Weir, got called into action uh, taking care of his pops down in Florida. So due to the unreliability of the entire state of Florida, Will's internet is down at his hotel. Uh, So he hit me up uh, during the game and let me know that he wouldn't be able to do this pod with me. So anyways, tonight is a solo pod. I actually didn't know if my own internet would be working either because of some wild weather uh, that we're having down here in Austin. It seems like every late January, early February, there's some crazy cold weather snap here in Austin. A couple years ago, we had that big freeze in which a bunch of people lost power. Uh, A lot of people for this uh, storm today also lost power. I've been fortunate enough to still have power, still have water, still have internet. So I was able to do this pod tonight, but there are a lot of people out there that are struggling right now. So quick shout to everybody, quick shout to Will's family. Um, and this is a solo pod. So hang with me. We're going to talk, uh, we're going to talk the game tonight, Celtics versus Nets. I'm going to talk a little bit about my experience going back home to Boston and meeting up with Adam Taylor And, um, you know, who knows, who knows what's going to happen in the next 20, 30 minutes, however long I feel like I can talk into the ether. Anyways, here we are and here we go. I want to start this one just with my thoughts on my trip home to Boston. Uh, Will and I got to fly home to meet up with our guy, Adam Taylor, who, by the way, wrote a great article chronicling his first experience in Boston and at TD Garden. Uh, Definitely go check that out on Celtics blog. It was great being home and awesome to meet Adam in person. You know, we've become such great friends through podcasting that initially I was wondering if it would be weird, but it wasn't weird at all. You know, I was thinking to myself, man, like imagine doing online dating and meeting someone in person for the first time. Has Adam been catfishing us this whole time? Is he really 6'2", 6'3", as he said? Uh, But as Will said, you know, right when we met each other, uh, Tim Shields was there as well. Shout out to Tim. Got to hang out with Tim, and he's he's a great kid. Uh, But as Will said, you know, it it was just like podcasting, except we all have legs, which (laughs) we all got a kick out of. That was such a great line. It still makes me laugh right now as I'm thinking about it. A couple things about Adam. You know, I know he can get a little grumpy on Twitter from time to time, but man, I got to tell you, in person, he's such, such a nice guy, such a good guy. I obviously thought that he was a nice guy and a good guy or else I wouldn't have been podcasting him, podcasting with him over the past couple of years. But, you know, in person, I was just wondering, you know, what would his energy be like? And he was super, super cool. Uh, This one thing that stood out to me, you know, we're walking from uh, the Bowery to Lower Mills Tavern in Lower Mills in Dorchester. And, you know, we're walking on the sidewalk. It's after dinner. We're taking up the whole thing. It's four pretty big guys walking down the street. And this one lady was walking towards us. I honestly didn't even notice her 
to be real with you, but Adam, who was kind of like at the back of the group, moved to the side and let her pass. And he, <laughs> I forget exactly what he said, but his accent in person is really strong. Um, and maybe I'm just used to it, but in person it stands out even more. And I think he like apologized to her and it was just really cute. And I, uh, I just wanted to, to, to talk about that because I think that's something that really stands out, you know. You never really know how people are going to be, the way they interact with um, wait staff, service people, just other people on the street. Just made me realize how great of a guy Adam actually is. Um, another thing, shout out to Bill Sai, who might be my favorite person of all time. Definitely at Celtics Blog, Bill is the man. Um, but he hit us up as Will and I were waiting to meet up with Adam. He called us on Slack and he offered to buy us all dinner. And I know he probably wouldn't even want me talking about this, but I was in such shock that he did that. And it just meant so much because, you know, we're relatively new to the Celtics blog family. I know Bill's been there a while. Adam's been there a while. But the fact that he recognized, um, you know, the effort that we were putting in to get back to Boston to meet Adam. We always talked about how the first time Adam was in Boston, we'd get together, we'd go out to dinner, we'd show him where we grew up and you know, make sure that he, he felt welcome in the city. The fact that Bill reached out to us and made us feel equally as welcome was huge. So shout out, Bill. Uh, final thought on my weekend home, Adam had never eaten chicken parm before, which I absolutely could not believe. So we went to this place called Molinari's in Adams Village in Dorchester, and they're kind of known for their chicken parm. So I'm glad he got to experience what I think is some of the best chicken parm in the entire city for his first ever experience eating it. Like literally when I go home, Molinari's chicken parm is one of the first things that I hope one, I hope my parents have already bought it for me and it's in the fridge waiting for me when I get in. Um, and if they haven't already got it for me, I'm definitely at some point going to Molinari's to get chicken parm or at least ordering it. A couple other places we went to eat. Uh, we went to Pat's Pizza, also in Lower Mills. Got a great steak and cheese sub from there. They don't really have steak and cheese subs down here in Austin, Texas. Also a great buffalo chicken calzone. I love how being back in Boston, there are just places where you can get slices of pizza. I know that might not seem like a big thing to everybody who grew up in Boston and in the Boston area, but that's not the case everywhere you go throughout the country. Like There are some places where you cannot get a slice. You cannot just get a sub. So that like classic Boston sub shop doesn't really exist down here in Austin. So the fact that I was able to um, get that while I was home was great. Shout out Pat's Pizza. They've been holding it down since I was a kid. Uh, a couple other places that we went to eat, Will and I got breakfast at Green Hills, also in Adams Village. So if you know what I'm talking about here, Adams Village, you kind of get the the um, understanding of where Will and I grew up. But we, you know, we walked down Adams Street to Green Hills. It's about a five minute walk from my house, and got myself a little breakfast sandwich and a little coffee. Um, it was great being there. Saw a couple people that I knew along the way. Uh, Green Hills is great. And then we also, actually, you know what? I'll save some thoughts on uh, going to the garden for the second half of the pod. But the fact that Adam had never had chicken parm to me is just insane. And another funny Adam thing, uh, he didn't realize that his hotel room would have a microwave, which is just hilarious to me. Uh, yeah, so as we're at, at dinner, you know, he's he's trying to finish his entire portion of chicken parm. And I'm like, hey, bro, like, you know, you can take that back and, you know, have that for lunch tomorrow if you want. And he was like, well, how am I going to heat it up? 
And I was like, bro, every hotel room that you go to is going to have a microwave. I'm pretty sure there's a microwave somewhere in that hotel. Just take a look. Um, okay, well, right now I, I want to do a quick recap of last night's game against the Nets. And then at the end of the pod, I'll give some more thoughts about being back at the Garden for the Knicks and the Lakers game. I did just want to start the pod giving a quick shout to Adam and kind of recapping just my initial thoughts on meeting him. Super great guy. All right. Today's morning box score is brought to you by the Modern Dog Boston. The Boston Celtics beat the Brooklyn Nets 139-96 to off an overwhelming deluge of a first quarter that saw the Seas up 46-16 to after one. And from there, it was pretty much over. Jason Tatum by himself outscored the Nets in that first quarter. So some final stat lines. Tatum, ridiculous, plus 46 in this game. He had 31 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, and only 1 turnover in 29 minutes of action. Just insane. 12 for 19 from the field, 7 for 12 from 3. No free throw attempts in this game for Tatum, but I think that was more of a product of the Nets not being interested in playing defense at all in this one, so not a big deal. I mean, he still dominated the game. He still got wherever he wanted. I think it was more of a product of the Nets just offering zero resistance on the defensive end. Uh, JB, also great in this one. He was uh, 26 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, 8 for 16 from the field, 7 for 12 from 3 in 32 minutes. Uh, So the Jays, if my math is correct, That is 57 points for the Jays. They didn't get a 30-30, but that's not because they didn't play well. That's because the game was over heading into the fourth. Uh, Derek White, also awesome in this game. 14 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, no turnovers. Got wherever he wanted all night. Played with a great pace. It was really good to see D. White have one of these games because he hasn't been awesome since Smart's been out. So the fact that he was able to um, step up in his stead tonight and really, I mean, just be D. White. You know, I think with Smart out, the fact that D. White um, hasn't been playing as good as we need him to is, you know, it's a storyline. But the fact that he was able to just be who he is, not have to do a Marcus Smart impression, just be Derek White, I thought he was awesome in this game. Rob Williams, also huge in this one. Not sure if it was the extra day off for him after missing that Lakers game or if he had heard rumblings that Nick Claxton was the better defender slash player. Will and I may have even had that conversation at some point during the Knicks game. But Rob was unstoppable. Seven for eight from the field, five offensive rebounds, nine total, and one block. Uh, Rob looked great in this game. Super happy. Team numbers, 57.6% from the field, 26 for 54 from three, uh, which is 48%. 28 assists, only 10 turnovers. Not really sure it's worth even mentioning the Nets because no one really showed up for them. Kyrie had 20. Cam Thomas had 19, but that entire team stunk all night. I know they were down KD. They didn't have Simmons. They didn't have TJ Warren. But tonight was honestly just a great example of why I don't buy the Nets as a real contender. They better hope someone else takes the C's out because it won't be them. All right, I'm going to do a little quarter-by-quarter recap for you, um, and then we'll head to a break. So in the first quarter, Jason Tatum was 7 for 10 from the field, 4 for 6 from 3 for 18 points. As I already mentioned, he outscored the Nets by himself. Jalen Brown right behind him with three threes of his own. And then the team itself shot 62% from the field. While Brooklyn, on the other hand, was a miserable 
absolutely dreadful 29% six for 21 shooting. Full disclosure, um, I missed the first quarter because my girlfriend forgot to wake me up from my pregame nap, but I was able to go back and watch it. And um, yeah, they look great. From there, it was more of the same. So uh, Jason Tatum get an extended rest in the second quarter. Brooklyn cut the lead to 22 with about five minutes left in the second. You know, uh, Cam, I think it was Cam Thomas went on a little bit of a run on his own at one point. But Joe, got to give a shout to Joe. You know, he called a smart timeout at that point when the lead cut, cut to 22. Don't want to make too big of a deal of this because obviously this has been a huge thing this year. And, um, you know. This was a great timeout by Joe, and I want to give him credit because I'm not sure he gets enough credit for the great job that he continues to do in what was an impossible situation to take over at the beginning of the year. If Missoula ever figures out timeouts and um, his rotations and you know not overplaying certain guys like Tatum, I don't know what we Celtics fans will have to complain about. So maybe he's just doing it because uh, he wants to give the media something to talk about in a in a season where otherwise the Celtics have been the best team in the league. Anyways, before you knew it, uh, Tatum was back in the game doing Tatum things. He went, uh, he and the C's went on a run as Brooklyn continued to put up zero resistance on the defensive end and uh, extended that first quarter lead to go into halftime by uh, up by 34 points, which according to ESPN was their largest halftime lead in 10 years, which is pretty crazy. All right, in the third quarter, so some things that stood out to me, Brooklyn switched into a zone. They had a little 3-2 to try to slow things down, and Tatum did start to miss some wide-open looks, but the rest of the team didn't, and then Tatum closed the quarter strong with a couple of threes, and the Celtics again extended their lead, going up by 38 points. So it went from 30 points after one to 34 points at halftime to 38 points Heading into that fourth quarter, uh, JB had a couple timely shots in that in that third quarter as well. Rob continued to dominate in the third, and then you know Brogdon stepped up as well. So at this point, honestly, you maybe stopped watching the game. Hey, I don't blame you. It was it was over. It was over after in the first quarter. But um, you know, as I was watching the game, I thought going into the fourth, what was honestly going through my head was, I wonder if Joe. Missoula will actually sit the starters for an entire quarter. The game was out of reach. So that was the one thing that I cared to see. I did watch the entire game, but I wanted to see if, how Joe would manage the minutes in the fourth quarter, and he did a great job. You know, Joe did a great job. It was an obvious thing to do to sit the starters, but he did it. So got to give him credit. So in case you missed the fourth, uh, he started the fourth with Brogdon, Pritchard, Grant, Sam Hauser, and Luke Cornett. And then they continued to extend the lead. The crowd started going wild. Blake Griffin made his way to the scorer's table with about three minutes through the quarter. And then the Nets, I believe, called another timeout. And then from there, it was all subs the last eight minutes. Uh, The storyline down the stretch was, would the Celtics break the all-time record for three-pointers? They had 24 threes with seven minutes left. The all-time record is, I believe they said it was 29. Celtics ended up with 26 threes on the night, so they fall short of their franchise record and they fall short of the all-time record. But, you know, they played great. Can't complain about that. My favorite part of the fourth quarter was watching Peyton Pritchard because he picked up full court for the entire quarter. Like, literally, he played full court defense the entire quarter 
up 40 points. At one point, we were up 49. Played full court defense all night, aside from the very last possession of the game when nobody was playing basketball anymore. They were just dribbling out the clock. So considering his comments uh, about wanting a bigger role, it definitely looked like he was auditioning for one. All in all, uh, Celtics win their second in a row after a brief three-game skid. And they currently sit atop the Eastern Conference with a 36-15 and 15 record and a two-game lead over the Bucks, up two and a half over the Sixers at the time of this recording. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we return, I'll give some thoughts on Peyton Pritchard's comments, Marcus Smart's ankle, and then just a few other takeaways from being in the garden for back-to-back overtime games. All right, not going to lie. I just checked to see how long that first section was. Sometimes when you're recording these solo pods at the end of a section, you listen back after what feels like 25 minutes of talking. You realize you only talked for seven. Um, But I checked. It was 17 minutes, including that introduction. So super proud of myself for only stumbling a couple of times there. All right, so I want to talk about Pritchard's comments. So in case you missed it, Peyton Pritchard said in a recent interview that he wants a bigger role moving forward in his career. And hey, uh, honestly, I don't blame him. And I think it's completely fair to want that for himself. End of rotation guys in the NBA can have very, very short careers. And before you know it, you're playing overseas running pick, pick and pops with semi you know. So if Pritchard wants to maximize his earning potential, He needs to be in someone's rotation. It'll really be interesting to see if the Celtics trade him this year or if he has to wait until the offseason. You know, Pritchard deserves a role, but it just might not be in Boston. However, you know, it's funny with Smart currently out with the ankle injury, you got uh, Malcolm Brogdon having a checkered pass with injuries, and then there's no one else really available to play the guard position outside of obviously Derek White but like you can't call on JD Davison to come and play big minutes for you if you need him in a pinch like Peyton Pritchard the Celtics can't really afford to trade him right now he's by far the best fourth point guard in the league without question and tonight it seemed like Pritchard knew that he needed to play well and show our team and the league that This is what he can do, and he's doing it after making comments like that. In my opinion, there's no reason why Peyton Pritchard can't be better than, let's say, TJ McConnell, Jose Alvarado, you know, all those other small guards who need to make their mark in this league with some really, really gritty defense. The thing about Pritchard You know, he's more talented, in my opinion, than a TJ McConnell, than an Alvarado. I wanted to compare him to Matthew Delvadova, but I think that's a slight against Pritchard. Though, to be fair to Delhi, you know, he did play that huge role guarding Curry in a finals. Um, But I think Pritchard's better than all three of those guys. He deserves minutes. But as a coach, you know, he also needs to earn them. I'd be asking myself, as Joe, what can this guy do that no one else on my team can do? Because if I have an answer to that, then I can at least justify having Peyton Pritchard in the lineup. In my opinion, we saw this tonight. We've we've seen it over the last couple of weeks. Pritchard's one-man full-court press is unique to him. 
I don't think there's anybody else on this team that can do that or should do that. You know, we don't need Marcus Smart picking up 94 feet. He's too important in the half court. Um, also, I think Pritchard is very slippery fighting through screens, very Avery Bradley-like in his ability to get over a screen and not allow the ball handler to get him on his hip. Not as good of a defender as AB was in his prime, but I think that particular skill of getting over a screen, I think Pritchard has shown that he's probably top two on the team at being able to do that. I think Smart still is the best at getting over the top of screens and drawing fouls on people sticking their hips out or maybe making it look like people sticking their hips out. But Pritchard, I think, does a really good job with that. So I'm not sure Pritchard will play in the playoffs, but I do think there are certain matchups where he could be a nice change of pace. Say, for example, um, Marcus Smart is struggling in foul trouble. Malcolm Brogdon isn't really doing a great job guarding at point of attack. Maybe Derek White is playing more of the low man action, you know, protecting the rim as Derek White can do. So guys, I think Pritchard could be really good on in a playoff matchup, you know, for five to 10 minute stretches. I told my brother this, he said I was crazy, but I think he'd be a nice little change of pace for Darius Garland, a Trey Young, a Fred Van Vliet. Emmanuel Click quickly, Tyrese Maxey, or maybe even James Harden. You know, we saw what Pritchard did against bigger guys um, for the Raptors, right? He was able to give Pascal Siakam some problems. He gave Scotty Barnes some problems. And I think there was even one possession, maybe in the Knicks game, I think he gave Randall some problems. He's just like a, a fire hydrant. You can't really move him. So I, I like what Pritchard can bring on the defensive end. I think he should probably have... Some sort of role on this team. I just don't. I just don't know that he's going to be able to with as deep as we are. All right, enough on Pritchard. So I sort of touched on this already, but I did want to say a few words about Marcus Smart's ankle. You know, news came out that Smart is probably going to be out until after the All Star break, which is a long time. I do think it's wise to keep him out until he's fully healthy, and it'll be good for the rest of the team to learn how to play without him. Because the first three games he was out, we looked lost, and we lost all three of those games. Smart, clearly our best floor general, but I do know that Derek White and Brogdon can play that role too. And honestly, they need to be better in that role than they've been. I think they've done good for what we've asked them to do, but with Smart out, it's going to necessitate both of them stepping up, necessitate a lot of growth for Brogdon and White as floor generals for this team, and also just leaning into their ability to uh, make plays for others and score for themselves. I also think this is a great, great opportunity for the Jays to develop better chemistry with White and Brogdon. You know, they've played with Smart their entire career, so they they all know each other really well. Smart knows how to get them in their spots, but they just started playing with Derek White last year. They just started playing with Malcolm Brogdon this year. So with Smart being out, I do think it's important for the Jays to develop some good chemistry with those guys. All right, some final thoughts. So Will and I were at the Garden for Knicks and Lakers. Shout out to Brad Hampton, Jason Tatum's photographer. Um, he was able to get us tickets for the Lakers game, which was great. Uh, he put out some tweet. First to the floor was first to the floor as they are. Hit us up, tagged us in the tweet. I hit up Bread, and I just let him know that we were looking for tickets to the Lakers game. He gave us a good deal on the seats. I'm sure he could have made a lot more money than what we gave him. So shout out to Bread. Hopefully we can at some point get you on the pod. 
So I wrote a piece recently talking about how many Celtics fans are down on Jalen Brown. And someone had said in the comments that I'm wrong about that. They were talking about how we in the media, which, listen, I'm, I host a podcast and I write about the Celtics, but I am not in the media. <laughs> I'm just a regular guy. I'm just a fan. Um, he was telling me that we think about JB one way, we put out these narratives, and then Celtics fans don't actually feel that way. Well, I can tell you, in the Garden, there were more than a few people groaning about JB throughout that Knicks game. There were even some people that were groaning about Tatum you know, throughout that Knicks game. The couple guys that were sitting near us, we were in the Absolute Lounge, and a couple of these guys, you know, Tatum comes out from the tunnel and they're booing him. I don't know if it's because of his performance at the end of the Heat game or, you know, I don't know what they're thinking, but they booed Jason Tatum, which was insane to me. And one of the guys kept kind of mockingly call, uh, he kept calling uh, Tatum an all-star. Anytime Tatum would do anything, he'd be like, all-star, there's your all-star, buddy. Nice job, Tatum. And it was just so ridiculous to me that there are people out there that still feel this way about Tatum or about Brown. Um, and then, of course, JB misses the free throws at the end of the game, which doesn't help things. But those guys had left already. You know, they didn't even see him miss those free throws. Celtics fans need to appreciate Jalen Brown because, you know, what happened in the post game and then the very next game against the Lakers. So what I love about JB, right, he doesn't run from his mistakes. He didn't run from those missed free throws. He owned up to it. And he said that he needed to be better. And then he said he will be better. And then I loved what Joe said. He said, you know, I love Jalen Brown. I'm going to tell Jalen Brown that I love him. I think that's important. And then as the basketball gods would have it, you know, JB gets an opportunity for redemption in the Lakers game. And he more than makes up for what he did in the Knicks game. He was absolutely unbelievable down the stretch against the Lakers. Personally, as he's going to the line for that and one, I couldn't watch it because I was so nervous for him. I turned around and I just watched the reaction of the crowd, which is actually a pretty cool way to watch the game. I kind of felt like a security guard as, as you know, someone who doesn't, who's on the court, but doesn't get to see what's happening. They have to turn and face the crowd. That's what I kind of felt like in that moment. It was really cool. There are a lot of people, um, you know, the, the joy, the elation of, of knowing that he hit the free throw, the roar of the garden as only the garden can do. The garden was bumping both of those games. Um, it was great. Shout out to Jalen. We love you. Boston wants you here long-term, but, and okay. I got to talk about the LeBron tantrum for a second. In the arena, LeBron clearly got fouled. Like everybody was like, Oh man, we got away with that. Uh, we're super lucky right now that LeBron is not, at the free throw line for the win. And then what he does afterwards with the tantrum was absolutely ridiculous. It was hilarious to watch him jumping around like a madman on the court. You understand why he's feeling that way. He definitely clearly got fouled. You understand why the refs don't initially call a technical on him because they knew that they missed the the technical. And then I didn't even realize why the tech got called on Pat Bev because he showed uh, the camera to, to, I think it was Mark Lewis, uh, I maybe no Eric Lewis. I think it's Eric Lewis, but that was just absolutely hysterical to watch all that happen. And then it got us thinking: like, man, are they going to call Tech on LeBron? And then would they award the free throws at the end of regulation, at the start of overtime? You know, the Tech's called on Pat Bev. We we go up uh, by one heading into overtime, which was pretty funny to see overtime starting with one of the teams having a lead because the whole point of overtime is that the game is tied. 
All right, but that was Will's first time ever seeing LeBron in person. I was glad that we were able to get those tickets because Will hadn't seen LeBron. If you um, have been following Green with Envy for a while, you know that I made a huge mistake as a best friend. I had tickets to the Eastern Conference semifinals, Pierce versus LeBron game seven, and I did not take a friend. I took um, a date, and that was, uh, you know, looking back on it, I had a great time at the game. Um, but that didn't turn into anything. And also I didn't have, um, you know, one of those experiences with my brother or my best friend, Will, but now it's a running joke and, uh, shout out Jesse Blake, but Will got to see LeBron in person for the first time. And the fact that LeBron's still doing all the stuff that he's doing at 38, absolutely silly. He was the best player on the floor all night. You know, we have Jalen, we have Tatum, and LeBron, at 38 years old, was still better than both of them. Um, obviously, he can't do this for an entire season anymore. There, he's he's been doing it for most of the season, but he's not quite the same guy that he was at his peak. You know, I'd rather have Tatum than LeBron. I think if it came down to it, but LeBron's still amazing. Um, I'm not going to be one of those guys to hate on LeBron. I think I I, I can respectfully boo him, but I'm never going to hate on LeBron. I think he is one of the top three probably top two, arguably best player that's ever lived. So it was cool seeing him in person. I'm glad that Will got to see him. All right. I made it 30 minutes, guys. That's going to do it for this episode of Green with Envy. Hopefully we are back for our normal episode on Monday. But until then, here is some music from my band, Black Sheep Optimus. This one is called Skywalker. I wish it that I never seen the stars in your eyes A glimpse of what I'm missing, thinking it's a mirage Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe But I stay for a minute cause I'm digging the vibe I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes Don't be casual feelings when it's only a vibe Don't know what the deal is, I'm a typical guy You know the one thing different is the state of your mind I'm like, oh my, my, someone throw me a rope I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float You could call it a vibe, it's probably all that you wrote But I'll be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope Cause you know that that embody that would go with the flow I could sing a different song If I could not hit the notes You had me taking off When you took off your clothes It should be coming down by now But I won't Let's go.